Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your co-host Haywood Evans and Eddie Rye. Our first guest is one of the busiest people in Seattle these days, and she was on last week. She made a commitment and a promise to return this week, and a lot of things have changed over the last week, and I'm referring to none other than Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best. Uh, Chief Best, welcome back. You did commit to coming back this week, so why don't you bring our listeners up to date on what's happening right now? Well, first, let me just thank you and uh, Mr. Rye for uh, letting me come back. Uh, I wanted to follow through with that promise. I enjoy your show, and I enjoy all the information that you uh, put out there for the public. You know, it has been a full week and a busy week on many levels. Um, everyone knows about the area that was um, called the Capitol Hill um, the Capitol Hill uh, chop area where people were assembling and there were um, initially uh, about three weeks ago when it started, uh, there was a, you know, a relatively um, you know, mild level of you know, any issues, but over time uh, it became just really a haven for some criminal activity. And so recently we um, organized a plan uh, to clear out the area. We've since executed that plan. Uh, a day ago, and now are in the process of cleaning up the precinct, trying to restore some normalcy to the neighborhood, uh, and uh, get the, getting the officers back in the East Precinct. And so uh, I noticed that uh, some of the local residents are filing lawsuits against the city of Seattle. Uh, I guess that's something that I guess Pete Holmes will deal with. That wouldn't be in your bailiwick. So, uh, uh, overall, uh, there have been ongoing meetings, too, uh, and I've uh, asked Reverend Harriet Walden, who also has a program on this on the station, about uh, having her son Omari uh, Salisbury on. We would like to have, find out well, what are the plans, uh, what are, and, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, reforming the police, putting money in areas with social workers and other folks that we mentioned last week that don't have to be weaponized. So are there any meetings with any of the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement or anyone else regarding any police reform? Because uh, we seem to defund the police, but I just want to know if there was any activity going on between you, the city, and any of the folks who have been involved with the Black Lives Matter movement and the CHOP uh, 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 organization. Well, we've had, the city has had, I should say, some meetings with some of the people who were living in the CHOP area to talk about what their demands were and what they wanted to see moving forward. Uh, there was an eclectic group, you know, different um, groups that have come together, so the demands were very different on many parts, but there were some that could um, possibly be moved forward uh, on the area of reform. I would say that the Seattle Police Department has done a lot of reform work in the area of uh, de-escalation and crisis intervention and implicit bias training and, and things like that. But the issues that we're talking about are reform that are on a much deeper level to bring community uh, in alignment with police and police in alignment with community so that we're providing the service that people really want. A piece of that has been repeatedly discussed, which is defunding the police department and what does that mean. I think generally uh, people are looking at ways that people can divest um, out of the department possibly, but invest mostly in um, some of the areas where uh, policing has had to pick up gaps in other failed systems. For, exa for example, I would say uh, crisis intervention calls. We have about 16,000 of those calls a year. 
and there's a possibility that we could actually have mental health workers respond to those calls rather than police officers and alleviate some of that funding out of the department and onto the mental health system or into addiction systems or people who call about homeless issues. Um, there may be better avenues to address those than with an officer, and we certainly are open to those conversations occurring. I wanted to see if my co-host here with Evans had any comments or questions. Well, Chief Benz? Yes, yes I, I do. Okay, there you go. Okay. Go ahead. I come. Uh, uh, that uh, congressional bill, House Bill 7120, the uh, George Floyd bill, how is that going to impact the Seattle Department? Is that being incorporated in the new plans? Well, we haven't incorporated anything as yet. I think we're in the early stages of discussing, you know, how we move forward. Uh, we know that the murder of George Floyd really put a different highlight on some of the inequities and some of the systemic issues, not only in, um, in the criminal justice system, which people are focused on, but also in other areas such as health care and education. So I think that there's going to have to be much more discussion about, um, you know, everything that comes forward. Many people want to see a meaningful change, even though there's been some reform efforts that I think have changed quite a bit of things. The fact of the matter is still every week, just about, we can uh, see another African-American man dying at the hands of injustice. And until yeah. that is turned around, uh, we're going to ha continue to have to have um, these long and meaningful discussions about how to move forward. Well, I guess my question is, with the budget restructuring, Will the, uh, will, the, will the people be independent, the new social workers and mental health people, or would they be part of the police department? What's your vision on that? Yeah, you know, again, not having the answer because we're early on, I would imagine they would not be within the police department, that they would be their own um, functioning uh, entity on their own. Okay. Uh, and you mentioned that uh, the, the meetings with uh, the folks from CHOP and uh, Black Lives Matter have been conducted. Has that been conducted by the mayor's office? Uh, or is that, uh, are, and are any city council members involved? Because I know we have a public safety committee. Have they been involved? Is that Lisa uh, Herbo? Is that she the chair of the, uh, the city? I, I haven't uh, um, seen uh, Councilmember Herbo at any of these discussions or meetings. Okay. But um, I know that the mayor's office has been the lead for the other city departments in addressing some of these issues that are uh, plaguing neighborhoods and communities. So I'm, you know, very confident that the the vigor and the interest that people have in moving these issues forward will will bear out, you know, a good resolution. Uh, the part that's really clear is that people want some change, and so we're going to have to make sure that they're at the table to direct. Uh, the expectations of what they want to see in the in the organization and within the police department. Is there a timeline? Yeah, I, I haven't heard of a specific timeline. Obviously, you know, to be very, you know, sooner better than later. I know that we've met with some clergy folk. We um, met with members of, of the CHOP area. Uh, there probably are discussions going on with other groups as well um, because we're going to have to make sure that we have as many voices at the table as possible. Uh, for myself personally, you know, just as part of this organization, really been working on dealing with some of the crime issues that we've had to, um, that we've had to address 
And I think this is an opportunity now to have even deeper discussion about where we're going to go as an organization. A lot of that is going to be a part of the budget talks that the city is going through right now with the city council and with the city's budget office about how they're going to move funds around to accommodate some of the requests that they expect to address. Well, Chief, I'm certainly pleased to hear that uh, what, I, what, I, what I'm hearing from various sectors, I'll be talking with some of the other folks, too. Uh, matter of fact, two of the uh, organizers of the, uh, the uh, We Want to Breathe March, uh, Derek Wilder-Smith and, and Dominique Davis from Community Passageways, uh, they will be coming on the program right after you. And uh, they also have some ideas. So uh, those uh, two gentlemen are all intricately involved in I would certainly like to see uh, uh, see them uh, invited to the table because I think they bring up a lot to offer. I think that March they had about sixty thousand people. I think that Sunday yeah. afternoon. Yeah, very like numbers that. between sixty-six to eighty-five thousand. And I know um, both um, Derek Lewis Smith and um, Dominique Davis. I can't imagine a scenario where their thoughts and their impact, particularly in dealing with young people, uh, won't be a part of a very lengthy discussion about how to move forward. Okay, then, Chief Best, you just get your on right after you, and you just gave them a fantastic introduction. And like I said, if anything develops, we want to know about it first. So uh, I got your number, and you have mine. If you, That's true. So we'll stay in touch. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you okay. so much. Thank you very much, Seattle Police Chief Carmen Best. Okay. <laughs> uh, our next guest are the two gentlemen that we, uh, the Chief just talked about, uh, Derek Wheeler-Smith, who is the Zero project, uh, uh, director of the Zero Youth Detention Project, and also was one of the organizers along with Dominique Davis of uh, the We Want to Breathe March that the chief just referred to. So, uh, gentlemen, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with the co-hosts Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Uh, so, uh, while we start with Derek Wheeler Smith, give us about a minute of uh, a little background, sort of introductory to our audience, because you guys will be on again, I hope, and then. Uh, follow up with Dominique, and then we want to talk about the march, and then we also want to talk about this fantastic project that you guys have in South Seattle, uh, providing some housing for youth 24 and under. That's a very fantastic project. So while we go ahead, Mr. Derek Willis-Smith. Absolutely. Um, as was already stated, my name is Derek Wheeler. Um, it's a pleasure to, uh, to be on today. Um, I I'm a native son to Seattle. Uh, many folks are probably familiar with uh, uh, my father and, and some of the work that he's done in the community with launching Choose 180 and, of course, Zion Preparatory Academy. Uh, Doug Wheeler, um, I've woke up literally the last uh, 25 years every day with child well-being on my mind and have served in uh, multiple different capacities, whether working with homeless street kids, teaching, uh, serving as an administrator. Uh, at Seattle Academy and then later in the Federal Way School District and then overseeing the National Youth Engagement Platform uh, for World Vision and really centering the voice of, of, of our most impacted. I currently serve as Director of Jury Pretension with Public Health, uh, which is really a strategic plan to improve community safety and looking at how do we achieve better outcomes for youth and families at risk of juvenile legal system involvement. Um, and I think that we've even had to grapple with, or at least I have since coming on board, wrestling just with the name, right? Because I'm like, there's something inherently racist about this idea of zero detention, this idea of, like, what do we have to do to stop black and brown children from being locked up versus how do we shift our focus to how do we create the conditions that sets up young people to be happy, healthy, safe, and thriving, and that by virtue of doing that, we'll lock up fewer kids. So pleasure to be in space with you today. 
Hi, um, I'm Dominic Davis, CEO uh, and founder of Community Passageways. Uh, been in Seattle my entire natural life. Um, um, thank you for having us on the show, Eddie. I, I am um, um, somebody that has lived in the streets, has dwelled in these streets on the wrong side of the avenue, and then when I woke up out of that and came onto the right side of the avenue of doing the right thing for my community, I had um, told myself that I'm going to spend the rest of my life making up for any damage that I've done in my community. And so that's where I'm at now. Um, I spend most of my hours with my staff and my team members working together to, to bring opportunities to our, our young adults in our community. Uh, uh, we have seen we see so many black and brown bodies going through the criminal justice system, and, and we were able to start working at diverting a lot of the young people in the juvenile detention centers and through the juvenile courts from misdemeanor charges. And as I've seen that work growing that I was part of, I decided, well, why don't we start diverting felony charges for young people out of the criminal courts in the detention centers and, and, and juvenile courts? And as I started doing that, I was able to – the system wasn't buying into it at first. So as I got slow buy-in from the system, we were able to develop a community-based community-owned, community-ran organization called Community Passageway that is able to divert felonies out of not just the juvenile system, but the adult system. And the way we were able to build that model and get buy-in from systems folks was we were able to just start working with our young people that were facing criminal charges and getting them back in school, uh, getting them internships and jobs, helping them secure housing, and doing a lot of development a lot of leadership development with them, and, and it's shown us support. Our village has been decimated by systems, and so we have, to, we have to create our own village. It's up to us to create our own village. And so community has the answer to healing the community, and that's what my model is, community healing community. I bring community people in that have been marginalized, disenfranchised, and underserved, that have been victims of the criminal justice system and oppression and have served 20 years, 10 years, 15 years in the penitentiary. They come out, and we have hired a lot of those people, and we have got them trained, and now they're making living wages, giving back to the community. So it's like an ecosystem of love and, and security and opportunity and, and, and just, you know, building that new village and, and new community for young people and then going and standing up and fighting for them in the criminal courts to say, give us our kids. We don't want you to take our kids anymore. It's not working for us. Give us our kids and let us raise them and put them in a better position and just get behind us and support that. Well, Derek and, Dom, Derek and Dominique, I want to salute both of you guys. I, I love the term roadmap to zero youth detention and absolutely a community pathway or community passageways for, for their success. What do you think about the, uh, the bill that Congress just came up with, 7120, the uh, George uh, Flood bill, the one that's going to have law enforcement officers and agencies report their data, any use of force instances, and have them obtain implied bias training and racial profiling and wearing body armor. You think that would help? I think that I think that, that is a, I think it's a step in the right direction. Um, because part of it is is that there has to be a level of mutual accountability. And so I think we have to grapple and contend with some of the historical realities of how we got to where we're at today and what was the origin, right, of police departments. And the fact of it is, right, is that when we look at the Constitution in this country and they said we the people, it did not include 
black folks, right? It did not include poor folks. And so (laughs) we have to understand that a lot of these systems were designed to preserve that reality and that even this idea of policing is kind of rooted in this protection of the wealthy and of the status quo. And so how do we then begin to kind of dismantle some of these structures that I think have been deleterious and harmful uh, to our community? And I think that bills like that um, are part of the solution. I don't think it's the North Star, but I think it's a step that leads us towards some of the more uh, reform efforts that need to happen, but I also think that there's some liberation right, that needs to happen in reference to some of these things. And so we're excited about an opportunity. We just got done talking with Chief Best. He's engaged in um, this regional approach to gun violence that we're engaged in. We're kind of wrestling with this idea of, like, how do we stop young people from dying tonight? How do we also create an environment that allows for equitable quality and quantity of life to exist, right? And so we know that it's impossible to come up with these kind of remedies if we can't acknowledge kind of the interdependence across these domains. And so that means that, like, the police department and all of these other departments within the city have to come together. But how do we then center the voices of, and the lived experiences of the people who have been most impacted? And how do we lead from their yeah. wisdom? Um, and I think that that's... Dominique and Harry Wheeler-Smith. Eddie Ryan, look. And I like the I need, who are I need, now look, we, showing we don't that have, we don't have to come to the table. Yeah. And I do appreciate Chief Steph's uh, partnership uh, just around look, that. Look, brothers, we don't have very much time effort. today, but I want to invite you both back next Thursday. And I swear you will have the first 15 minutes because we didn't even get a chance to talk about your project. Purging records, yeah. Okay, so so uh, we're going to move on, but I I want you guys to put on your calendar right now, 2 o'clock for next Thursday. Because we have a lot more to talk about. We just didn't have much time today. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So uh, you guys confirm confirm your, your availability. Uh, this afternoon with me, okay? Okay, sounds good. For next Thursday. I already got your head shot, so I have to do that again, okay? Uh, <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All right, now. Thank you, brother. All right, talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Our next guest uh, for Eddie Ryan Hayward Evans is Clyde Merriweather. Uh, Mr. Merriweather was featured in last week's uh, Medium newspaper for a, a letter that he uh, authored to the superintendent of Seattle Public Schools. And that's the June 24th edition on the editorials, comments, and opinion uh, section. And uh, so uh, why don't we just go ahead and, uh, Mr. Clyde Merriweather, just share with our listeners what prompted you to write the letter and uh, uh, share that information with us. Well, I'll tell you, I'm born and raised in the Seattle market, came through the Seattle School District system. Um, not not living there, and uh, have been watching what's been happening as it relates to what's been happening to African Americans and African American males specifically as it relates to what's going on in the uh, school district, and and uh, listening to the people that have uh, been leaving it and get involved in Eric McCurdy's lawsuit against the city and. The more I started digging into it, the more I realized that uh, not only was there a problem, but in many respects, those who would possibly speak up about it were compromised by the fact that they were in the system and and too compromised to uh, want to put their foot out there and say it. So I just thought it was time that somebody from the black community actually came out and put the uh, truth on the table and see if we could get some answers as to why it's moving in the direction it's moving. Well, I tell you uh, that... uh... I've talked with the president of the Seattle branch NAACP, Carolyn Riley Payne, and also the state area conference president for Washington State, Oregon, and Alaska, Gerald Hankerson. And uh, I think that uh, Gerald was in the process of organizing a press conference 
uh, to express their concerns. Matter of fact, the guest on after you is uh, Sarah Cincy Wilson, who is uh, the chair of the Urban Native Education Alliance. And you know, uh, the superintendent defunded them as well. So, but why don't you just go into a little detail on some of the issues that you raised, which can be read in the medium, but since we have you on the air and you're the author, we'd like to have you go down that list of concerns that you expressed. Uh, basically, um, senior management for, um, for African-American males, we started off with four once Juno came into town and now we have none. Uh, we've got Eric, who's got his lawsuit. He's, I've tracked down a number of demotions, uh, replacements, uh, or forced outs, or just handwriting on the wall, people leaving. And since I wrote that article, I've dealt more with um, staffing as it relates to the um, superintendent's office, to a few principals, all the way down to the maintenance engineers and, and how they are being bypassed for any kind of leadership operations. and. Then just looking at the trend of moving that from black Americans, even for positions that's supposed to be dealing with them directly, it's a black female that's doing it. I want to make sure that people understand I am not taking any attack on black women. I'm simply asking the question about black males and, and, and why this seems to be um, systemic in the system, but also systemic in the nation. It's like this isn't a problem for the school district. It's a national problem. So I'm just basically doing Yeah, we look at the fact that uh, the chief academic officer, the athletic director, uh, the, the, uh, Dr. Brent Jones, who was the uh, director of human resources. And uh, now, you know, to see in the, in, in the year of Garfield's centennial, the centennial committee, which I'm on the executive committee for, for, the, for Garfield, uh, we've been working with Ted Howard for like a year and a half on this event. And for her not to ask him to stay uh, because it had to be postponed because of COVID-19 this year, uh, you know, I think it's really kind of slap in the face. And But it's pretty obvious that uh, she does not want to, and, you know, it's just something that's unacceptable. Uh, black lives matter. And so I hope uh, Gerald Hankerson hurry and get, get to get that press conference together because uh, our, our voices have got to be, and I'm really concerned that I haven't heard the school board say a word. Thank you. Well, you know, I, I have my own concerns as it relates to that. You know, there's a difference between a Thurgood Marshall and a Clarence Thomas. You know, I mean, we're, we're getting blacks, competent blacks in positions, but we're not getting advocates for blackness in, in those same positions. It's like putting somebody in that doesn't move your agenda forward. Now, the, the district has made the statement that it was moving in, into this diversity direction. And since Juno has come into town, it's done nothing to go in the absolute reverse. I also want to put on the table that every time we try to talk to Juno, she somehow seems to either come in and, and say all the right words or she doesn't show up for, for the hot events. Uh, the culture, as it relates to what's happening in, in the district, has made a noticeable shift as of the time she got here. And, and while we're talking about that, she's getting ready to go for an, another year's term. They're reorganizing because of COVID, but the reorganization is excluding African-American males at the same time. So by the time we go back to school and she gets into her agenda, we won't even be there to make a point. Well, Clive, when I heard at a black ministerial meeting, this is about a year or so ago, uh, that her focus now is on the LGBTQ community, even at well, you know, uh, that's, early age. That's a yeah, that's something I've been trying not to get into, but if you look at... Not just a question. That's the question. I'm trying to figure out the focus and where the money is being now 
addressed since it's not going towards black youth where's the money going what, what's the new focus have you heard anything from them their priorities uh no I, i've got i've got no word back from the school district directly other than to say that they're looking into the issue and I don't have the facts to really go out and say, you know, that's what the case is. But I am hearing from people that work in the, in the school district that the shift towards that in terms of management is happening. But I can't say what the overall direction is for, for uh, when that's their focus. Uh, Clyde, just before we have to go, I just want to ask you, uh, have you spoke with any of uh, the concerned individuals, the NAACP, the Urban League, or anyone regarding the concerns that, that people have about uh, the, the direction of the Seattle School District? No, you know, in all honesty, I, I, I've, I've poked the bear to get the conversation on the table. I'm not in the system, and, and, and I haven't gotten active. I've been collecting data and trying to get my head together in terms of what to say. I'll be writing another letter coming up, which gets into, into more depth of what I've heard from the online people. But no, I have not uh, attempted to become the leader or, or, or the I know everything guy. I'm just finding out what I find out and trying to pass it forward so people can get active. And do when, when you put the issue out there publicly, brother, it makes you the leader, okay? <laughs> and you ain't poking the bear, you're kicking the bear. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I'm getting, you had I'm a whispering. from Detroit and from Atlanta. I'm, I'm getting feedback from different places that, that are having the same issue. So, yeah, I got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. See, if you had a whispering uh, event going, on you wouldn't be getting no feedback but anyway <laughs> nah, so if you got I the would, whisper public, you're not very and, you're not very and I, sure yeah and i avoided going to like the seattle times and the pi i don't know who's in bed with who i put this in the yeah. black media to press the issue hopefully they it's, pick it's, up on it we can actually get down to some answers yes it's a black issue well anyway clyde merriweather thank you for your work uh, make sure we get a copy of that next letter so we can have you back on to talk about it so thank you very much brother you thank you brother thanks bye all right Okay, uh, Hayward Evans and Eddie Rag will take a quick break and come back with Sarah Sensei Wilson, who is the chair of uh, the United Native Urban uh, Native Education Alliance. Why sit in bumper to bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Live Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. 
Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Okay, we're back. Okay, with Evans and Eddie Wright. Our next guest, as I indicated before the break, is Sarah Sensi Wilson. She is the chair of the Urban Native Education Alliance, and uh, she is held in very high esteem by people such as Dr. Carol Simmons. And uh, so, Sarah, uh, introduce yourself to our listeners and uh, also let us know exactly what the issues have been with the Seattle School District. Well, thank you very much. Um, it's really, it's truly an honor to be invited to your show, Eddie. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, my name is Sarah Sense Wilson. I'm Ogallala, co-founder and elected chair of the Urban Native Education Alliance. Uh, UNEA, just for a little background, is a grassroots 501c3 native-led nonprofit volunteer-based and youth-centered organization. And our flagship program is the Seattle Clear Sky Native Youth Council, which is a tutoring, academic, mentorship, and leadership program rooted in universal cultural values and practices. Right now, um, we continue to have a 100% graduation and advancement of our American Indian students that are enrolled in our program. And our success stems from our holistic and community-based approach, which promotes positive tribal identity while providing unique learning opportunities and fostering multi-generational relationship building. Currently, um, UNEA, we're housed at the North Seattle College, where we have a really strong partnership um, based on shared values, goals, and purpose. Um, our, I was asked to, to be on this show to share a little bit about some of our concerns with the leadership of the Seattle Public Schools and we, um, UNEA. And I wanted to also offer this disclaimer that obviously UNEA does not represent all um, Native community. Um, we are based in the North End. We work with students in the, um, from all over the Seattle area and outside of Seattle also. So we're, we're really a multi-district um, program and organization. And, but we're based here in Seattle. And our grievances are actually pretty lengthy. And um, so I'm just going to jump into what some of those are. So under the leadership of Denise Juno, um, since her hiring um, in June of 2018, we've experienced a range of decisions and uh, choices that were made that have negatively impacted Native students across the board. Starting with the termination of the partnership between UNEA and the Seattle Public Schools, which um, was an eviction of our organization from the Robert Eagle staff site. 
And the, the termination of that partnership had a cascading impact on our community, affecting hundreds of students and families, um, essentially removing resources that had been unduplicated and um, resources such as uh, food twice a week, dinners, uh, tutoring, mentorship, academic support, cultural learning activities, leadership, programming, all of those wiped away from um, access for our Native students in the Seattle Public Schools. Uh, our our uh, youth program was, we were homeless. We were homeless from that eviction for, I believe it was about seven months, where we had no place to provide our programming or services for our Native students. And that, uh, that was traumatizing for a lot of our community. It had a ripple effect, reverberated throughout. And despite our requests for mediation or for the intervention of the, the leadership of Denise Juno, there was, there was zero effort to, um, to intervene to repair that broken relationship. And unfortunately, we had to file a lawsuit, um, which ended up being a parent, um, under a parent, and the Northwest Indian Justice Project as a representative, um, as a legal representative. So it's, um, that's, that's at the top of our, you know, grievances. And, and to this day, there is zero relationship between the Seattle Public Schools and um, in our programs. Well, Sarah, let me Another, ask you right quick, because we're going to have to yeah. go shortly. Uh, we don't have as much time for today as we'd like, but as this thing progresses, we want to have you back on. But what are the next steps? Uh, can you summarize that in like a minute? And what would you like to have people do to support your organization? There's been pleas. There's been multiple requests at public testimonies, so it's on record. There's been letters written requesting that the district um, make an effort to repair some of the harm and, and to foster healing among our community members and the leadership of Seattle schools. I feel that the uh, leadership, the superintendent, is, is inept, inept in um, working with community. They're lacked. They're, she works they're, for the school board. She works for the school right. board. And right. I think that uh, the school board is not to be so... We're going to give you a call back because there's a, a group of African-Americans that would also like to speak to you as well. There will probably be a, a news conference called by the NAACP, and I'm certain that you would have a seat at the head table uh, to express your concerns as well. So I will give you a call when we get offline. We don't have much time as I like today, but I'll give you a call, Sarah. We'll continue to, uh, to uh, talk and discuss this issue. So thank you very much. I'll be in yeah, touch. Yeah, we would... We would love to see a full audit of the entire district in terms of all their title funding that is supposed to be uh, supporting our special ed, our Indian ed, the entirety of the data. We'd love to see an external audit. We, we believe that there is a um, falsification of data in, um, and that they are not fully representing 
in a, okay. in a transparent and an accountable way exactly what where our students are and what's happening with our students. So we would okay. love to um, collaborate with the African-American community, the black community, and the brilliance that comes from that. We would love okay. to have that. I, I will share your, I'll share your contact information with Carolyn Riley Payne and Gerald Hankerson, the leaders of the NAACP. So thank you very much, Sarah. I'll be in touch with you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye at Urban Forum Northwest. Our next guest is Corbett Mosley, one of the leaders of the Tacoma Pierce County Black Collective, and he has a multitude of titles. And Corbett uh, is uh, co-founder of the Black Parents Alliance, and he's been on, the, on this program discussing that, and deputy program director of the Metropolitan Development Council. And he also is the glue during these uh, coronavirus days of Zoom meetings the glue that holds uh, he and uh, 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 Miss Blocker, Christina Blocker, uh, the glue that holds the, the Black uh, Collective meetings together every Saturday morning. So, so welcome back to Urban Forum Northwest, Corbett. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good morning, Eddie. Good morning. How y'all doing? Great, great. So why don't you take a minute and just tell, tell folks about uh, uh, the Black Parents Alliance and about the Deputy Program Director gig you're doing? Yeah. Um, so first, uh, the, the Black Parent Alliance is a group that we just founded last year um, around September. Um, and it's, a, you know, called together a couple of parents to say, like, what can we really be doing to um, address some of the institutional and structural pieces? And how do we pay attention to our kids? How do we learn from each other? How do we set up a group where we're really sharing information? Um, and so I partnered with, um, well, it was me, uh, Tawana Franklin of the Tacoma um, Urban League, Jamad Canley, uh, Cherie Cooks, um, who was on the Tacoma PTA. Uh, a number of black parents got together and we said, let's, let's do this. This is the right thing to do. We want to help our kids be safe and secure and have clear pathways to success. And so that's what we've really been working on. Um, there's a lot of information about how we kind of operate um, <clears throat> as a group on the Urban League page, but we have a Facebook group of about 300 and so parents. And every month we do a uh, we do a, a uh, we do a, a meeting online now um, where we have a presentation topic. The last three editions have really been on mental health, um, and so bringing in black therapists and talking about what we need and kind of learning from each other. Eddie, this is really cool stuff and some topics that we haven't discussed before. Um, and so I'm really excited about the energy, people that engage, say they love the space, uh, to be able to ask questions in a different way and hit on topics that are important to us. Um, but recently, you know, with everything, um, with the national protest, we, we actually pulled it to, together and um, drafted a letter of response to uh, the Tacoma Police Department Union um, and going through their line by line with the Black Parent Alliance and some other men in the community uh, to really address some um, institutional and structural pieces with the way that the contract was laid out. Um, so we're playing some really unique roles in how we and how we approach uh, systemic change. And there were there were three, if I can say real quick, there's three things that we pointed out in that contract. Um, and we had people review other contracts, other union contracts around the state. One of those was, you know, the issue of when somebody has a reprimand, a police officer has a reprimand, if they don't have anything else that year, then it automatically comes off their record in Tacoma Police Department, um, which we didn't believe was right. And there were some other things related to training um, that uh, we, we addressed, and we submitted those responses to the city council. And so I think 
I think we got parents kind of gathered and moving um, and making some momentum, learning from each other, and just really creating kind of a, a tidal wave of things that we can work on and, and excited for that work. So um, it's, it's, good, it's good stuff. So I appreciate being able to, to come on and just share a little bit about um, what we're doing. It's, a, it's a, uh, the Black Electric. Now, how can, how can people who are in Federal Way, Kent, Seattle, Bellingham, Bellevue, how can they – uh, log in yep. to uh, the, uh, these sessions. Yeah, so um, so the Facebook page is probably the easiest way um, to get started. And we also have, if there's other chapters that want to get started, um, too, up in um, King County, um, up north, I think that we got to stay connected and learn from each other to see how different groups are moving and, and how we make things work. We've tried to really document and set a playbook um, on if you look at the files that are on the Facebook page um, and we have some credentialing about, you know, you have to be black and you have to be a parent to get into the Facebook page um, and uh, just some really good context. And we're learning from each other. So there was another group that we actually grabbed some of the language for, for to think about how we would approach it. Um, but I think if folks get engaged with the Facebook page, they can kind of learn what we're doing, get involved. Um, and, and hopefully we can, Bring up a couple more chapters um, where it makes sense because it, we we need we need each other we need the support. You're right there. I want to see if my co-host Hayward Evans has questions or comments for you, Corbett. Yeah, Corbett. First, I'm glad that you're here and and, and listening to what you were saying, Corbett. You know that the that a bill in the House seventy one twenty is something I think that you you could get behind. It's uh, you have to report the data. The data goes into a national bank implied mm -hmm. bias have to have that or implicit bias training racial profiling and right. body and dash you know, cams you know, so let, me, let me say share this so so what we what we also looked at as a potential area of interest for us was the um the the bill related to school resource officers and the training that's required in that bill yes. because there's some really deep stuff that's in for school resource officers that we think all police officers should know about um, and should be and should be able to take advantage of. So we, we're uh, I don't remember the name of the bill off the top of my head. I don't want to get it wrong, but um, there's certain requirements that just went into law that haven't even been implemented yet that I think could really, you know, things not just related to accountability when something happens, but we really think that there should be we need to figure out how we have a positive relationship. And that's really the equity question when it comes to law enforcement. There's there's the accountability side when stuff bad happens, but the other side of that is like what are you doing and how are you putting into practice how to build positive relationships with communities of color and tell us what your plan is to do that. We need a racial equity action plan for each police department about what they intend to do to make that relationship positive. Corbett, before we go, could you please uh, share with our listeners uh, any contact information that you can share regarding the Black Parents uh, Alliance? Yeah, the um, uh, first you could just Google Tacoma Urban League um, Black Parent Alliance, and it should pop up on the first on your, your screen. Uh, if you go to uh, Facebook, you can type in Black Parent Alliance and hopefully it'll pop up um, for uh, the Tacoma Pierce County area. Uh, lastly, you can send me an email at korbttm at gmail.com. Um, those would be three ways that people can get engaged. We'd love to have you. We want to generate ideas. We want to learn with you um, and other groups that want to uh, connect 
um, we're we're ready, and we got a good we got a good group. Okay, Corbett Mosley, thank you very much for your time today and all the work you're doing over the Tacoma Pierce County area. That's why we need you to share some of that with us up here because we have a, a bunch of young folks that's doing some fantastic things, and y'all coming together would be amazing. So thank you very much, sir. And I guess I'll. Hey. I, I, you know, my, I just want to say, I'm, while I am young, uh, my dad was 38 for 10 years, so I got that same problem. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope to I hope to stay on that that same that same path. So uh, uh, I love y'all. Thank you for having me, and uh, uh, see you next time. And the Black Elected will meet on on uh, Saturday morning, right? As always, yes, sir. July 4th, Saturday morning, 8:30. All right, I'll be online for with you. Thanks, right. thanks, Corbin. Appreciate you. Okay. All right, thank you. All right. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our next guest after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail Station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Talk radio that will get you thinking. Alternative Talk 1150. Hey, what happens today? Right back at uh, Urban Forum Northwest. Our next guest is Rom Dixon. And Rom is the founding director, founder of uh, Alliance for Persecuted Peoples Worldwide. And uh, Ram has uh, organized an event that will be happening on July 12th, 4 to 6 p.m. But before we go into that, we want him to introduce himself to our listening audience and then go into uh, the big event that's coming up. Awesome. Eddie, hey, thank you so much. I'm really honored to be here to speak with you and all of your listeners about a topic that my organization and I, we're really passionate about. Now, how do you bridge the racial divide and how can communities come together? Now, before I jump into that, for the benefit of all of you listening out there, I'm just going to take a minute to talk about who the Alliance for Persecuted Peoples Worldwide, or APPWW for short. You know, 
what do we do? Who are we? Because I know if you just go by our name, you think, you know, we're some organization working on issues in far off places. But actually, we're a nonprofit based here in the state of Washington. We serve communities, you know, helping address issues surrounding race, gender, religion, and sexual orientation. We work with, um, you know, disadvantaged groups within these communities, and we give them a platform. We listen, we learn, and then we drive execution through advocacy because the belief of our organization and for all of us who are associated with the org is that at the end of the day, we're all in this together. We're part of a community. And, you know, we've got to learn from each other and help each other out. Uh, Many of the members of uh, APPWW, uh, they're immigrants from the South Asian community. And as all of you might know, Indian Americans, we're the largest part of the South Asian diaspora. Now, all immigrants, especially immigrants of color, you know, Eddie, we owe much to Dr. King, Dr. Martin Luther King, because... Dr. King, he was inspired by Gandhian principles of nonviolence, peaceful protest, and Indian Americans in particular. You know, we have a bond with Dr. King because he followed those principles. That you know, those were his guiding principles as well, and his relationship with India and his role in civil rights. Um, you know, listeners out there, you might be thinking, wait a minute. Why civil rights and what does Indian Americans have to do with civil rights? And I just want to share a personal story. About 50 years ago, nearly to the day that George Floyd was killed, you know, May 26, 1970 was the day my dad landed in New York. Now, he immigrated to this country from India. Now, but for the civil rights movement, the Immigration Act of 65 would have never happened. My dad would have never come here, and I wouldn't be here. And, you know, it's ironic, isn't it, uh, Eddie? George Floyd was killed on May 25th, 2020, nearly 50 years later. And that injustice, that sort of highlights the distance we as a nation still need to go to achieve the vision of Dr. King. So Indian Americans, as a growing minority across the nation and in Washington, uh, we want to step up and we want to work with communities of color to make a difference. And so what we're doing on July 12th, we've, or we're organizing a uh, town hall uh, where we can listen to civil rights and community leaders on the experiences that, you know, people like you, Eddie, you know, you've had working on this issue for decades. You know, we want to learn on how you bridge the divide. And as immigrants, we actually bring a lot from our immigrant experience that we can also share. But most importantly, as a part of this town hall, you know, we want to have a forward-looking discussion to figure out, you know, discuss how can we move to get move forward together, come up with kind of cool, creative ideas uh, to uh, move the needle. So, uh, you know, we're bringing together uh, leaders from law enforcement leaders from the African-American community, the Latino community, um, the Asian and Pacific Islander community, and the Indian American community to have this conversation. You know, we're not going to be talking about politics. You know, we're coming together 
all the panelists and or ask of all of you, join us. Come together as members of the community, not as Democrats or Republicans or conservatives or whatever. You know, we're all people. We're part, we're part of one community. Let's come together. Have that discussion by the community for our communities and what we can do because, you know, D.C. is going to do what D.C. does, and you know, we we got to come up with creative ideas locally. So, Eddie, thank you for being a panelist. We truly appreciate okay. it. We're humbled and honored. And well, Ron, we're going to continue uh, the conversation next week. Uh, we're out of time for today, uh, but we'll have you on again next week with one of the panelists. So we'll have a little bit more time, okay? Awesome. Eddie, thank you so much, and looking forward to that discussion uh, next week. And I'll give you a call a little, a little later this afternoon so we can discuss who would be appropriate. All, of, awesome. all the panelists are good. I know all of them. Okay, so thank okay. you very much. Thank you. Take care, Eddie. Thank you, guys. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Okay, uh, Hayward, I just want to acknowledge uh, the passing of uh, Roosevelt Hubbard. Yeah. He's on the front page of, uh, of the, uh, uh, the Seattle Facts newspaper. So my, we want to extend our condolences uh, to uh, Carolyn Hubbard, his wife, and his, his other family members. But before we go, we got about one minute. I want to give a shout out to uh, our sponsor, Sound Transit Small Business Development, uh, and Labor Compliance Office and changed the name to Business Development and Labor Compliance, the City of Seattle's Purchase and Construction Services Office, the Port of Seattle Diversity Contracting Office, Concourse Concessions, SeaTac Bar Group LLC, Stephanie Ogle does our website, and uh, Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye will be uh, talking with you again next week. Uh, we should have some more information on what's transpiring at the Seattle School District at that time. Yeah. So, uh, Nathan, want to thank you very much for handling us today, my brother. And uh, have a, everybody have a good 4th of July, a safe 4th of July. And uh, don't go gather ground anywhere. Just do a grab and go. I'll give you a call.